This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. One thing I like about the confession is it phrases things well. When I'm just stumbling along, coming up with words, and I find that the confession has already put it in good language for me. Welcome to Theology on the Go. I'm your host, Jonathan Master, and our guest today is Emily Van Dixhorn. This is Emily's first time on the podcast, but her husband, Chad, has been with us on several occasions. Emily was educated at Brown University and received an MAR from Westminster Seminary, and she has just written a book for Banner of Truth entitled Confessing the Faith Study Guide, and that's the subject of our discussion today. So, Emily, thanks for joining us. Good to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Jonathan. I wanted to ask about the genesis of this book. It's a companion volume to Confessing the Faith, but how did this supplementary volume come about? Well, it was a long time ago, so I'll have to try to remember. But um, I like Bible studies. I like group studies. I was involved in a group that was training us how to write study questions. So I naturally, when I was reading Chad's book, wrote questions for it. That was probably, I'm guessing, about 10 years ago, roughly, maybe a little bit less, maybe eight years ago. It was while the the book was still a manuscript. So Um, did you test drive the questions or you just wrote them? Uh, How how did this work? Well, I did give them a test drive in numerous different ways. First, by planting my daughter, who was about eight or nine, beside me on the couch in the summer nights when she didn't have homework and say, let's study the confession together. Let's read daddy's comments and then let's go through mom's questions. That actually leads to one of the questions I had, which is, is this, is this a book that you would advise for use with children? You, you tested it out on one of your daughters, but is it geared towards children or is it geared towards adults it's, or all the above? Well, I'll just put it this way. At one point in my life, I tried to teach my infant how to read. There's, <laughs> there's some people who are, who are more ambitious than others. And if you want to teach your children doctrine, I think it's a great helpful tool for doing it. But it's also at the seminary level too. It would meet people at that level. Other people who gave the book a test drive were a group of women in our church did, and that was very helpful. And also uh, Paul Levy and a group from his church would meet in a coffee shop in London And they went through it. And that was very helpful, getting his feedback. And then there were some other friends who were pastors, and they would ask for a rough draft. And they went through it and said it was helpful. So that was all encouraging. So it's gone through a couple of different test drives. You've received feedback from a number of different people. How would you envision people using this book? If they're sort of listening to this and wondering, is this a book that would be helpful to me? Um, is it something that you think could be used just on your own, or, or is it really more for group study? How did you envision it? Yeah, well, in all sorts of ways. I definitely think someone could use it on their own just as a way to helpfully check their understanding, to, to just check, oh, did I really follow his argument, and to discipline yourself to look up some of the verses Um, also to meditate upon them, to also then apply the doctrines to your life and think of ways 
that then you would like to pray in light of these doctrines. So it is helpful to just go through it as an individual, but I really picture it more for groups. I have been to Bible studies, sometimes non-denominational Bible studies, where people have such a love for God's word, and it's fantastic. But I find that there can be big gaps in people's understanding of the doctrine. So I really had a hunger to provide a simple way that people could study these doctrines that have stood the test of time, that have expressed truths so concisely, so carefully, so accurately. So I wanted people who already have a love for God's word to also be able to gain an appreciation for Christian doctrine. Yeah, you touched on this in your answer, but it was one of the questions I was going to ask you. Why is it useful to study a confession rather than just, say, studying the Bible? Why is this an important thing for people to do? Yeah, that's a very good question, and I had to ask myself that because I certainly wouldn't want to write a study that would distract people from the Bible. And I will say that my first priority in doing Bible study, I'm part of several, is to go through a book of the Bible. That's the meat and potatoes of Bible study. Go through a book in order, understand its context, understand a passage within a book and a book within the broader Bible. But once we do that, there's still more. There's a way that doctrine can stabilize us. Sometimes we are studying. It's good to have new ideas, but then we need to test those ideas. And we know that scripture interprets scripture and doctrine can help summarize scripture's teaching so that when we want to test what we're learning, the conclusions we're drawing from a particular passage against all of scripture, what does the rest of scripture teach? It can be helpful to have a doctrine so that we know that we're interpreting the scripture consistently with what other passages teach. It's a great point, and it's also worth noting that the way your your study guide is set up, it really does point people back to the biblical text. Yes, it's not to turn people away from Scripture, and we all we know anyone who started studying the Confession knows that the first chapter is upholding Scripture is the only authority. This Confession is not over Scripture, it is under Scripture, So we are going to use this to study scripture and what it teaches. Now, as you carefully and systematically went through the Westminster Confession and even went through Chad's comments on the Westminster Confession, what jumped out at you? I mean, if you're remembering back those eight years ago or whenever it was that you sat down to first come up with these questions, did you notice anything new or did something strike you in a particular way as you went through it systematically to prepare to write your own book? No, I I will say this, though, that chapter eight on Christ, the mediator, for some reason, I kept losing my work on that and I would rewrite it. And I think I rewrote that chapter about eight times, but I just loved it. I loved going through the material on Christ, the mediator. I was so grateful that Christ is my mediator. I found that I have so much to be thankful for in knowing how he's my mediator and reflecting on the 
many benefits that God gives us in his grace through Christ serving this role as a mediator, as a prophet, as a priest, as a king. There's just so many levels of blessing. Or, I mean, that sounds like an odd way of putting it. One thing I like about the confession is it, it phrases things well. When I'm just stumbling along, coming up with words, and I find that the confession has already put it in good language for me. No, I think you make a great point that a lot of times that's what these confessions help us do, to, to state in a clear way, in a concise way, in a way that's in touch with the history of the church, exactly what the Bible teaches. And so I think that's really well put. Now, your book also contains some personal application questions, and you mentioned that at the beginning as one of the benefits or the purposes of the book. Were there particular ones, particular sections of the confession that, beyond the one that you just mentioned for us, the mediatorial work of Christ, that really struck you as particularly applicable, or perhaps that other people have commented as you've received this feedback from others that that were particularly helpful in terms of application? You know, I find much of it really helpful. There's so many aspects of church life that I think we haven't asked ourselves, well, how does this match up with what the Bible teaches? Does this Bible speak to this aspect of church life? or not. And sometimes it really does. So I think it's helpful to look at our doctrine and then look for implications in our church life, family life, work life. I'm just going to look at an application question from the chapter on good works, chapter 16. It happens to be a chapter that the ladies in our church are going through in our study. And it closes with this question, How should believers respond to God's gracious judgment? Given God's judgment, what is your prayer for unbelieving neighbors, family, and friends? And consider praying for others in light of one or more of the following passages. And then it cites three passages that the confession actually refers to as proof texts. So it takes what we've studied and then it directs us into prayer for for neighbors and further reflection. That's a great way of doing it. So you're pointing people back to Scripture, as we've already discussed, and then ultimately to uh, rethink some of their own priorities in life and even rethink their priorities in prayer. That's an excellent um, example. The topic of good works was Mm -hmm. one where I found some of my friends were getting um, confused about, and it's a tricky one. What's the place of good works in the Christian life when we know that we're saved entirely by grace um, and how easily we can slip into thinking that we somehow earn God's favor? So it's helpful to even have a refresher in studying good works by just doing one study, standalone study on the confession on this chapter. So, for example, we would have our Bible study going through a book of the Bible, but sometimes our study might end at an awkward time in the calendar year. If we had a a study that would end in April, let's say, and we really wanted to finish out the academic year and finish our study in June, we would say, hey, let's let's spend a few of our next studies just studying a few chapters in the confession. And so we would do that. Or, for example, if we're studying in the summer and we don't really want to start our our main study of a book of the Bible until 
September, when a lot of people are back in town, we can just say, okay, well, let's just do a short-term study and, and pick a section of the confession. Let's study what the confession teaches about salvation, for example, and study a few of those chapters. That's a great recommendation. So it's not the kind of thing that you even need to necessarily go through from beginning to end as one long study, but you can sort of pick and choose because it's divided up into chapters that that each have a discrete doctrinal emphasis. You can pick ones that either go along with something that you're studying or or just go through them as time permits. Yes. Um, Our church here does a quarter of its you know, year-round Sunday school curriculum, one quarter is devoted to studying the confession. So they'll just study a few chapters in that quarter, and then we'll move on to new, you know, other topics. That's a great recommendation for pastors and for others who are in charge of Christian education, or even for people who are thinking about their own personal time of study. Emily, this is this is a great resource. I would commend it to our listeners. It's called Confessing the Faith Study Guide. It's a companion volume to a book by Chad Van Dixern called Confessing the Faith. Both are published by Banner of Truth. Emily, it's always a joy to talk with you, and thanks for your time today. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's interview on Theology on the Go. After we stopped recording, Emily spoke to me about her real passion for seeing this book put into the hands of particularly men within the church. She talked about older men and more mature men teaching younger men and the benefits that that will give to each one. And the same would be true of more mature women and women who are newer to the faith. And so we really hope that this book will be used in that way. And I know that that was Emily's purpose in writing it. If you'd like to receive a free copy of the book, we'd love to give that to you along with the companion volume, Chad Van Dixorn's Confessing the Faith. So we'd like to give you both Confessing the Faith by Chad Van Dixorn and Confessing the Faith Study Guide by Emily Van Dixorn. And you can receive those by going to placefortruth.org, clicking on the Theology on the Go link, and there'll be a link there that you can enter to win these two volumes. As always, we could not do this without the help and support of listeners like you. So if you'd like to support the Ministry of Theology on the Go or the broader ministry of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, go to AllianceNet.org and click on the Donate button or PlaceForTruth.org and do the same thing. And thank you again for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth.